It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. Welcome to Discover Your Spiritual Identity. This episode is going to empower you to be you. It's going to reinforce your confidence in who you are because you are an original. Just like every snowflake is different, every believer in the body of Christ is different. And we need to celebrate our uniqueness. And that's what this particular name for God's people is going to help you do. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The word manifold means manifested in various ways, manifested in a multiplicity of ways. See, grace doesn't just flow through people one way. There's a unique way grace wants to manifest in you, a unique way grace wants to manifest in me. One of my favorite quotes is from Abraham Lincoln. He said, all men are born into the world originals, but most men die copies. Well, that would bring forth a great big no from me. I don't want to be a duplicate. I do not. In fact, let me say it a little stronger. I refuse to be a duplicate. I refuse to be a carbon copy of the methods and the ways other people express the anointing. I want it to be expressed in me the way God wants, and that should be your passion as well. So that's 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. What a powerful, powerful verse. As each one, every single one of you, as each one has received a gift, a gift, minister it one to another. The very nature of the kingdom of God is to give away what you receive. Do you remember Peter at the gate, beautiful? He said to the man who was crippled from his mother's womb, who wanted alms, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give to you. You can only give away what you have. You can't give away to others what you don't have. And so putting up a false title in front of your life is self-defeating. Find out who you are and then go for it 100%. So once you receive grace, it becomes your responsibility as well as your privilege and your joy to give it away to others in four ways. You give grace away to people who have hurt you and harmed you. Don't turn it off now. Don't stop listening to me. I know that's the biggest challenge right here at the beginning. You give away grace to people who have harmed you or hurt you. You give away grace to the world outside of Christianity, and that's extremely important to the heart of God. 
Number three, you give away grace to other members of the body of Christ. And number four, and this will shock you, you give away grace back to the God who gave it to you to begin with. And you won't understand how that happens until the end of this episode. First, before I go into scripture, I want to share a dream with you that someone else shared with me. And this particular person I had a real walk with God. I had confidence that when she said, I had a dream from God about you, that that's exactly what it was. And it was a dream I never forgot. It was so amazing, so unique, because she said I was standing on a platform in the big tent that I used to carry around the country. And it was a big, beautiful blue tent. And she said, I was just beaming with this big smile and radiating the glory of the anointing. And she heard the audible voice of God speak two things at the same time. And a portion of each statement was exactly the same, but one word was different in the two statements. And one was overlapped on the other, and she heard it simultaneously. And it was a powerful revelation. She heard the audible voice of God speak over me and say, be true to the gift God gave you. But at the same time, she heard the same voice of the Most High say, be true to the gift that God made you. Be true to the gift God gave you. Be true to the gift God made you. Because if you ever receive a gift from God, you become that gift to other people. My wife, Elizabeth, has a gift of joy. God poured joy into her life. Well, she's always been that way, but even more so since she battled cancer 10 years ago and won that battle victoriously. And now she just rejoices. Every day is a new expression of uh, of divine unction to live life to the fullest. And she does so. She's got a gift of joy and she gives it away everywhere she goes. So whatever your gift is, multiply it. That's how you grow in grace. You grow in grace by giving it away. That way it multiplies in other people. That's the way you live on. After you depart from this world, you live on by the people that you've influenced, by your children, if you happen to be parents who have poured in to your children, your values, your vision, your understanding of God, your understanding of God's word. You replicate that in those you pour yourself into. Praise God for that. Be true to the gift God gave you. Be true to the gift God made you. A great missionary, and you should read about his life, E. Stanley Jones, said it this way, nothing is ever really yours until you share it. Let me say that again. Nothing is ever really yours until you share it. So let's make up our minds. We're going to start sharing more. We're looking for opportunities to share. You look for inroads into conversations. You hear a word or a statement or a concept or an idea that someone voices, and you know you can use that and piggyback a testimony on it to speak the word of God into that person's life. You're 
always looking for open doors of opportunity to impact people if you fulfill this calling to be a good steward of the manifold grace of God. Now, what is a steward? A steward is a manager or an overseer over another man's affairs or goods. And the heart-impacting thing to me is the realization that God has made us stewards over his affairs and his goods, his spiritual goods, in this world. And I've often told God, you should have done it yourself. It would have been a much better job. But he doesn't want to do it himself. He wants to use us in the advance of his kingdom in this world. What a charge. What a responsibility. What an awesome, awesome privilege. Now let's go into some key words in the Greek. In 1 Peter 4.10, the word gift is from the Greek word charisma. And the word grace is translated from the word charis. Or some pronounce it charis. So any gift from God is an expression of his grace in our hearts and lives. And let me read the scripture again. As each one has received a gift, charisma, a gift, so minister it one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace, the charis. So if you have a gift, it's charisma, C-H-A-R-I-S-M-A, and it's a manifestation of grace, charis. C-H-A-R-I-S. The two words are very related because the very nature of grace is giftedness from God to you and from you to others. Praise God for that. Now, we have received numerous gifts. We've received the gift of salvation. We have received the gift of righteousness. We have received the gift of eternal life. We have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in other scriptures and passages, it talks about how God has given us joy and given us peace that passes understanding, love that surpasses knowledge, how God has given us, well, he's even given us manifestations that come from the Holy Spirit that are also referred to as gifts. Because if you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit contained within that one gift are nine other gifts. And those gifts are the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, prophecy, interpretation of tongues, tongues, faith, miracles, healings. And so all of these gifts are contained in one gift. Isn't that amazing? God is just a gift giver. He is passionate about giving gifts. And that's what makes Christianity so unique. It's not a self-achieved righteousness. It's a gift of righteousness. It's not attaining eternal life by your own works or efforts. It's a gift of eternal life. But if God gives you these things, you have a treasure on the inside. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, but it's not so that we can hoard the treasure. It's so that we can enrich others with those treasures. I've received definite treasures in my life when I was delivered from the New Age and Eastern religions back in 1970, the fall of 1970. 
I was immediately gifted with an understanding of a contrast between Eastern religions and biblical revelation. I had a grip on that like other people didn't have who had never walked on that journey. And so I've tried to utilize that for over a half a century now. Wow. Over a half a century now, I have reached out to people that were deeply involved in Hinduism and Buddhism and yoga and Eastern religions and New Age, uh, New Age spirituality. And I built the website, thetruelight.net. And we recently looked at the stats and it was amazing uh, how thousands upon thousands, we've had about a quarter of a million hits on that website from many, many nations all around the world. And and people from about a hundred nations have downloaded the book, my testimony called The Highest Adventure Encountering God, because I had this treasure. And that was this revelation of the contrast between Eastern religions and Christianity. And I could have just sat on it. I could have just enjoyed the fact that God saved me. Hallelujah. Or I could have implemented from that treasure house of knowledge certain methods of reaching people of my former mindset successfully. And so far, we've been able to do that in our open air meetings in India. In some of them, we've seen over a thousand people a night give their hearts to the Lord. And I'm praying God will open that door again. It's been closed because of a law uh, against conversion of others from Hinduism into Christianity. But anyway, that's been one of the main graces in my life. Another grace God graced me with was the revelation of our spiritual identity. That came to me as a result of a year of fasting and praying for a unique message that was needed in the body of Christ. And I was studying the names of God at the time, and God birthed in me in an amazing way, this understanding that it was important to know the names of God, but it was equally important for us to know our God-given names. And I started studying that, thinking I might find about 50, and instead I found over a thousand names and titles that belong to the children of God, and it's become the dominant theme of my whole ministry. I received a grace-filled revelation so that I could give it away. And I've written eight books on that subject. And the main one that's now available is the book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. And also I've got two books available from the old series called Our Glorious Inheritance, The Revelation of the Titles of the Children of God. So praise God, it's all about giving away to others what God gives to you. Now let me define what grace is. Grace has several Major definition, number one, grace is unmerited love from God. Stick that in your memory banks right now because we'll come back to it. Unmerited love from God. Number two, it's divinely imparted ability. So it's an impartation to you from God to fulfill your purpose. It's not only unmerited love from God to pick you up from the mire of sin, but to awaken in you a purpose that he then empowers you to fulfill. It's all grace. It's all grace. And then number three, grace is God's abundant generosity. 2 Corinthians 6.1 urges us not to receive the grace of God in vain. 
And then Hebrews 12, 15 warns us not to fail the grace of God or fall short of the grace of God. And then the writers of Corinthians and Hebrews, and I believe the writer is a singular person, Paul, even though Hebrews is not assigned to Paul, it's very similar to his writing in the other epistles. And they went on to explain what would cause you to receive the grace of God in vain or fail of the grace of God. And one aspect of it was worldliness or lack of commitment to God could make you fail the grace of God when it's been poured into your life or to receive it in vain because even though it reaches you in your dilemma, your crisis, it doesn't complete the journey in you, so to speak, to make you someone who helps others in their crises. See? And so you receive the grace of God in vain because unless grace is flowing out of you, it's insufficient to just flow into you. See, there are two seas over in the Holy Land. You've got the Sea of Galilee and you've got the Dead Sea. Both are fed by the same source, and that is the Jordan River. There's a big difference between the two, though. The Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee and it flows out the other side, and that is teeming with life. But then it flows down. In fact, the word Jordan means descender because it flows down to the lowest point on the globe, and that's the Dead Sea, 1,300 feet below sea level. And I believe, I forget the exact amount of feet, but it's almost 12 or 1,300 feet deeper still to the very bottom of the Dead Sea. And it's so low, it collects minerals and salt to such degree you can even float in it. And it's so thick with mineral content, nothing can live in it because it flows in. The water of Jordan flows in, but it doesn't flow out. It just gathers there and stagnates. That's what happens when people fail of the grace of God. They receive it, but they don't give it away. They don't understand. This is such an important aspect of being a child of God. And also, Hebrews 12, 15 says that we can fall short or fail of the grace of God if a root of bitterness creeping up entangles our hearts. And so if you become bitter at other people, you shut down on the giving end of grace. You just close yourself off to people because somebody's hurt you. But there's people out there that need you, that really need what you have to say, that won't hurt you. And so don't let one person destroy your purpose. Did you hear me? Don't let one person destroy your purpose. And don't let sensuality come in either because in the same chapter, it warns against sensuality because that can kill your burden to help others. You become a very self-focused person. Now, we are called to steward the grace of God in four primary ways. I already mentioned them, but I'm going to go into deeper detail. Number one, you give grace away to those who have hurt you or harmed you or affected your life negatively. Where do I get that? Let's go to the Sermon on the Mount, the foundation of everything Jesus came to teach and preach. In that sermon, he said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? The King James Version says, what thank have ye? 
Or in other words, who would thank you for that? What credit is that to you? If you only love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those uh, from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? Because even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. Well, every time I lend my tools, I fulfill this scripture. I hope for none of them to come back to me. I usually have to buy another hammer or another wrench, but I need to try to do it joyfully, right? Because the root of the word grace comes from another Greek word that means to rejoice. So it will fill your heart with joy when you live this way. Love your enemies, do good, lend hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. In other words, you'll reflect the nature of your father, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Now, the revelation is really hidden here because the word that is translated credit in the New King James Version and thank in the King James Version is the word charis, the word that's normally translated grace. That's the majority of times that Charis appears in the New Testament. It is translated grace. And for that reason, one version I referred to translated that passage, what grace do you practice? The New King James says, what credit is it to you? The King James says, what thank have ye? Well, another version says, what grace do you practice? And I believe that's more true to the original words. In other words, if you only love those who love you, you're not flowing in grace yet. If you only love the people you go to church with, but you don't love the people that cuss you out because you're a Christian, you're not practicing grace yet. Don't turn me off now. <laughs> don't, don't say, I'll listen to this some other time. Go ahead and let the conviction of the Holy Spirit grab your heart, okay? In Peter's epistle, we can go a little bit further with this, this insight is expanded in a passage where charis is translated into the word commendable, commendable. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But if when you do good and suffer for it and you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. And the word commendable is the word translated grace, usually. So in other words, Peter is saying this is a demonstration of the grace of God. When you can handle ridicule, persecution, being ostracized, put down, marginalized, hated, and despised, and, and you react with love and kindness and goodness and gentleness and humility. This is the grace of God. Okay, I need to make an altar call right now. Let's bow on our knees. Let's start praying through. I need to, you need to, we both need to, right? All right, let's go to number two quickly, as quick as possible. All right, number two is giving grace to the world outside of Christianity. 
That's the second way you steward the grace of God. So you're not supposed to just go to a church. If you're going to a church, you need to get involved in that church. You need to bring people to the church. You should be bringing new people to your church every Sunday that you meet or every Saturday that you meet, whichever the case may be. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 tells us how we spread this grace around in the world. Colossians 4 6 says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every person. Think of that. So in your day-to-day connections with people, let your speech always be full of grace, full of love, full of the word of God, full of wise insights, full of input into situations that is inspired by God. Let your speech be always with grace. God will even give you answers to problems that are not spiritual in nature. You'll just have that uncanny ability to know what to do because The Bible says the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. No wonder in Philippians chapter 1, verse 7, Paul wrote the Philippian church and he said, You are all partakers of my grace. Because he understood that he walked into that city, he began sharing nothing more than words coming out of his mouth, and of course the miracles that were wrought but the revelation of the kingdom of God, and it changed those people's lives forever. They became a partaker of his grace, and a church was born. Well, you and I need to share our grace with others so that they can be a part of the body of Christ, and then once they are, share grace with other members of the body of Christ. Share what God tells you. Share what God reveals to you in his word. Next, number three. To steward the grace of God, we also must give grace away, not only to the world outside of Christianity, but to the body of Christ, which I've already somewhat touched on in the previous point. But I've got a couple of scriptures here I want to emphasize. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 says, unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And then it goes on to say, and this is a very beautiful passage, verses 7 through 13. It talks about how Jesus ascended on high, led captivity captive, and gave gifts to men. Now remember, his gifts are expressions of grace. And then in verse 11, it said, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. So he gifts those individuals to have an apostolic calling, a prophetic calling, evangelistic calling, pastoral calling, or a teacher calling. And then it's not so that they can bask in this revelation of the word of God and enjoy this experience of the power of God themselves, but so that they can equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And all the gifts that we receive are focused that direction to bring the body of Christ to perfection and maturity. And there's other gifts mentioned, and I won't go into uh, actually reading the scriptures, but you can read them. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
verses 7 through 11, give the nine gifts of the Spirit. And then verse 28, and then Romans 12, verses 6 through 8, talk about gifts like helps, the gift of helps. Who do you know has ever gone to an altar and said, oh God, give me the gift of helps. And yet if that's a grace-filled calling as much as the apostleship falling on an individual, it's important because it all works together. Even if you are blessed to have finances in order to support the work of God, the Bible refers to that as a grace-filled ministry. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, it says, As you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. And he was talking about giving support financially to the ministry. And he called it a grace because God graces some people to be extremely successful in business so that they can grace those that don't have time to invest their lives in business to promote the gospel and advance the kingdom of God in this world. We are workmen together. And then finally, and this is going to be one of the most amazing points, we are also stewards of the grace of God in this way we return grace back to God. That's part of our stewardship, returning grace back to God. Where in the entire word of God do I find that? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Paul summed up his feelings about all this grace revelation he was giving by saying, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. You may say, well, how does that mean that we minister grace back to God? Because the word is hidden again. The word translated thanks there is the Greek word charis, which is normally translated grace. So if you read it literally, it would say grace be to God for his unspeakable gift of grace to us. In other words, I'm returning this river of grace that came from the throne of God down into my life because the Bible did call it the throne of grace and a river proceeds out of the throne. That river flows into me to change my life, to equip me, to empower me, to make me a worshiper and more than that, a true worshiper of God because he said the water that I drink in will be in me, a well of water springing up into everlasting life, flowing back to the God who gave it in the form of worship. That's how you send grace back to God by worshiping him. Other versions of that same scripture, instead of saying unspeakable, say indescribable, incomparable, inexpressible gift of God. You really can't sum up in words the enormity of the greatness of what God has done in your life. And every day, your appreciation and your gratitude for the greatness of this gift of grace in your life should flow out of you, not only to others, but back to God. And I have one last thing I want to share with you that is a story. It's not scripture. It's not quoting from some writer in the Bible, but it's something that will grab your heart. I don't care how bad your situation is in life right now. Grace desires to manifest through you in such a way 
that it will impact others in a significant way. I read the history of a song that I love. It's a song called The Love of God, and I'm sure you've probably heard it too. It's a beautiful song. It goes, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win his erring child. He reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Then I love this part. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. And then the chorus, O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Read the history of that, and you'll see a demonstration of someone who stewarded the grace of God in an unthinkable way set of circumstances and situation in his life. Actually, the song went from one person to another person, and then it was finally placed in the hands of the church that celebrated the truth that it celebrated. The person who wrote the song was Frederick Lehman in 1917. He was a businessman, a Christian businessman, who lost everything in some business deals. And he was reduced to almost poverty. And he was working in a packing house, packing oranges and lemons into wooden crates just to make it financially, hardly able to get by. And he heard a sermon on Romans chapter 8 about how we're more than conquerors through the love of God. And he was pondering that. And he felt like he had to write a song about it. And he started writing it, but never could get all the words right. And he remembered that someone had given him a little slip of paper with some words written on it that had been found. Well, actually, someone had written down some words that were a duplicate of something they had read. And they had read about how some workers went in to paint the walls in an insane asylum slash prison. And there was a prisoner in this insane asylum who had written on the wall a portion of the lyrics of that song and died in that cell. And the workers came to paint it and to prepare it for the next person who would live in that prison cell. Little did that man know who lived in total isolation that those words would travel from one person to another until they got to this businessman who lost everything and wanted to write a song about the love of God that he was still clinging to. So it went from one to one, and then it went to the church, and then it's gone out to the whole world. Many people have heard that song. Don't be afraid to be the one. Even if you're in a prison cell, you can be used by God. Even if you're in an insane asylum and surrounded with so much depression that you can't hardly escape it. 
It's, you feel like you're drowning in it. Still, use the grace of God that is in your life for some good cause. And God will multiply it back to you. You receive grace for grace. That's the Bible. Because the more grace you give away, the more grace you receive. Now, I encourage you to get my wife's book, I Cried a River. The subtitle is The Journey from Tears to Triumph because she's given grace away. God gave her grace in this journey she took through cancer. She overcame. God visited her supernaturally several times. And when you read this book, especially if you've been going through sickness or if you know someone else is going through a bad sickness, get this book for them. And I guarantee you it will be an encouragement. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this program. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shreve, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.